Hey everybody, here we are at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook. It's Jason, I'm Chucky. We're back for the New Year's special of the Sports Betting Podcast bookends. Before we kind of jump into everything, just want to, you know, hope that everybody had a great Christmas and nice holidays, got to spend some time with your family. We know it's a New Year, so Happy New Year. Um, and we're going to get started, Jay. I mean, it was a kind of a fun Christmas with games being played on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Um, you know, we saw some of the same, you know, some big comebacks, some big upsets, some ugly football from some of these teams. Uh, we know it's such a quarterback-driven league that it's going to be interesting these last couple of weeks what teams do because 19 of the teams in the NFL right now really are going to be looking for a new quarterback next year. And, you know, I'm not sure where they start exactly, but it's going to be fun. Yeah, not only talking about next year, but, I mean, we've got a t- intentionally the whole NFL league with a chance to, to make the playoffs. I mean, these playoff races Not um, if you're a Bears with, fan. with all the, the losses right. that happened last week, even the Packers have found a way back in. We've got some battles in, in the NFC and AFC South for who's going to get in there, um, let alone as we approach New Year's Eve here, we've got the college football playoff. We've got a number of uh, bowl games going on, and we've been talking about uh, you know the, the, the good and the bad of these bowl right. games, but as we get to, the, to these New Year's Day and, and uh, January 2nd bowl games, some really good games on tap um, on Hopefully the players that are scheduled to play in these games right. come to play. I think when you look at the NFL, too, and you look at the quarterback situation and kind of touching on how many teams need a quarterback that, I mean, some of these teams are struggling with their number ones. But when you get to, to number twos or number threes, I mean, saw Nick Foles. Who, he did win a Super Bowl and had a great run with, with the Eagles there. But, I mean, just wasn't prepared on that game uh, against the Chargers. Trace McSorley, um, you know, he, he targeted Hopkins 10 times. He had one completion. Just naming a few guys right now. Maybe it's not fair to those guys who didn't get reps throughout the course of the season, but there really is a drop-off. I mean, and we see it in the point spread from one to two, and then from two to three, it is really dramatic. Well, and it goes along with where the other players in the team and the coaching schemes, because you talk about as much as the young guys and guys that haven't gotten reps not having success, you could say the complete opposite for what's going on in San Francisco right. with Brock Purdy yeah. and right. that Trey Lance goes down, Jimmy G goes down, Brock Purdy's third on the depth chart, and he's finding all kinds of success. He's finding uh, George Kittle and rejuvenating um, his you know tight end success. So, uh, again, we're talking about teams that are struggling versus teams that are sitting at the top of the conference, but Brock Purdy in that third quarterback role has been able to find success, and I, I think that's going to be something that we're going to be talking about for years to come as we see um, the concussion issues right. um, and quarterbacks being knocked out of games and what's going on with with quarterbacks uh you know finding themselves that were down to to second and third string quarterbacks for a lot of don't, the teams in the league don't you think some of it is like scheme driven though i mean if you look at san francisco we know that garoppolo has you know a, a phenomenal win-loss record as quarterback of the 49ers but he's never really been asked to to win the game I'm not saying that a quarterback isn't always going to win the game but he's asked to more manage the game they've had a good running game um while he's been there uh, a great defense good skill position uh, players and that's what uh, Purdy's been able to do is kind of just manage the game right now kind of for a young quarterback like like Jimmy Garoppolo did. Uh, Trey Lance, I think you, you tailor-made the game a little bit differently because of his running ability. Zach Wilson with the Jets has been a colossal miss so far at this point. At this point. But I think in the Niners' case, it's more you know kind of game management and, and system-esque 
and I think he's fitting that system really well. Yeah, and, and he's not one of those guys that's really running the football or they're looking right. for him to run the football. And we talk about today's dynamic quarterbacks, the guys that are at the top of the league in the MVP races in Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and um, even going down to Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields. Even Justin Fields, All of right. these guys have the ability to run, right. um, and that's what's making them successful and giving the, the kind of the dual-set offense. Um, so the Niners are doing it kind of the opposite way of that, that everybody else is doing it. Right. So before we get into this week's pro football schedule, we're going to talk a little college football. And Jay touched on it that it, I love college football and I love bowl season, but it just hasn't been the same. I mean, we've seen you know so many schools right now where there's kids uh, that are in the transfer portal. Uh, they've opted out for the NFL draft. Even watching some of these games, you, you talk about it's not the same school or the same team that you've seen play during the course of the regular season. Uh, you see quarterbacks are like, oh yeah, he's been in three games his entire career. He's trying to maybe you know get the job for next year. It's just not the same right now. But I think the, the games that we're going to touch on today are going to be the same. And these are by far, I think, the marquee matchups that we're going to see in college football for the yeah, whole season. And, and from a sportsbook standpoint, a college football stand, fan standpoint, um, hoping that the going to the 12-team playoff um, rejuvenates what what this bowl season is. Right. Even, even as you watch these games on television, right. they're, they're in front of empty uh, right. yep. uh, stadiums. I mean, it's like friends and family only. There's not a lot of um, uh, team travel or, or fan bases traveling down to these games. And as we look to these New Year's Day games, hopefully um, we'll, we'll flip the script a little bit with the Rose Bowl and the playoff games. And, um, you know, obviously some of these games, uh, uh, Mississippi uh, State versus uh, Illinois, will have the kind of the Mike Leach, USC versus Tulane. Um, there, there's a, a lot of good games out there. But again, the question is, is who's playing and who's right. not. So we're going to look at one game, although it's Clemson and Tennessee, which is a marquee game, and, and we know how many, how good these two schools have been and how many kids that they're putting into the next level. Unfortunately, there is a lot of guys missing in this game. Um, we've seen the number drop a little bit um, from 7 to 5 right now. Uh, ticket counts, 62% of the tickets are on Tennessee here. This game's on the 30th. Kind of anxious to see the way both these teams kind of play right now. It's clearly not the same Tennessee team that we saw earlier in the season beat Alabama. Yeah, Tennessee ranked number one at one point in time during the year, the big win over Alabama. It was all Hendon Hooker, uh, the quarterback, to Jalen Hyatt, the, the great wide receiver. We're not going to see both of those two right. guys in this game. Joe Milton's been a, a fill-in the last two games. He's quarterbacked them before Hooker came on board. He is formidable. But again, Tennessee missing some some big parts on that offense. Clemson, um, not, not like uh, Dabo Sick. Sweeney um, right. to, to have a lot of opt-outs in this game. Normally they would, they're looking to play in a national championship type environment. Um, they, uh, DJ Ukulele uh, puts himself in the transfer right. portal, um, but we're, we're not really seeing a drop-off at the quarterback position for Clemson. Uh, Cade Klubnick is going to take over. He's been a part of their offense all season long, coming in when, when uh, DJ would struggle. They, they do have some of their stud defenders yes. that have opted out. So, And that's why I think you've right. seen that line come right. down. But I, to me, this is a game that uh, I, I think Clemson wants to put on an offensive show and showcase Klubnick, and I, I won't be surprised at all if, if Milton and Klubnick kind of uh, trade paint uh, and, and you know ride these teams up right. and down the field. It's a shame that you're not seeing them both at, at kind of full throttle because both teams had their moments during the course of the year. But Tennessee, I think, really was one of the bigger surprises when, um, when they were healthy of what they were able to accomplish this year. Uh, you can arguably say in the middle of the season they were they were the best team in the country right. um, the way they were playing. And then, unfortunately, the injury, uh, the injury bug struck them uh, right before the um, 
having to play Georgia and, and kind of downhill from there, the suffering the loss to South Carolina, but losing Hendon, Hendon Hooker, right. um, obviously that was uh, was the big deal in their season. I think that the big question for me is going to be which orange will be more prevalent in the crowd, <laughs> Clemson orange or Tennessee orange. So uh, we'll see how that game all plays out. So now on New Year's Day or uh, New Year's Eve, um, you know, before we get to the two playoff games, uh, Alabama and Kansas State. There was a little worry that you know Young and Anderson and a host of other players wouldn't play for Alabama. I mean, uh, Anderson and Young are projected one-two in the draft right now. If it's Texans and and Bears, the way it kind of looks. Of course, these teams could trade out and other teams could trade up, but they are the the, the consensus number one offensive and number one defensive players um, on almost everybody's big board right now. Um, we thought they'd opt out. You know, when it was announced they were going to play, that number started to creep back up. Nobody has played kind of better than Kansas State down the stretch with their win against uh, TCU. Kind of a, a fun game, I think, to kick it off on New, Year, on New Year's Eve. Um, right now, though, almost 80% of the tickets are on Alabama. Yeah, and you talked about it, Dylan. When this line and this bowl was announced, Alabama opened up an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. We saw that line go all the way down to three with the expectation that we weren't going to see Young, we weren't going to see Anderson, we weren't going to see these guys that were draft eligible for the Alabama come in this game. And all the reports are that these guys are going to play. Um, they're excited about playing. They're they're you know pushing that Alabama team first, uh, team before I. Right. Um, I'll be surprised. Per- personally, as I look at Agreed. this game, I really think that Nick Saban – um, kind of steps in. He's, he allows Young to, to play. He allows Anderson to play. But I don't think that they finish the end of the first half. I think that they get pulled um, to put in some of the younger guys as Saban has respect for these guys and they're draft eligible and doesn't want to see them get injured at all. Um, so just something to look out for. Uh, Alabama saying Especially all the right things. Especially if they have kind of a big lead. You might see that, that happen. That they right? potentially come out of the game. And Kansas State, you know, this is a, a, a Big 12 team that has a chance to go knock off a, an all-world Alabama team, solidify recruiting and everything that they want to do there to, to get Alabama in this game. is, is a, It would be a big feather in the right. cap. Obviously, you talked about the big win over TCU um, in the Big 12 championship game, but this is a game where, you know, uh, K-State, now when we talk about TCU, I, I expect them to pull out all the stops uh, to go right. back to, you know, a dozen years ago when, when Boise State was able to knock off Oklahoma and we saw – uh, fake punts and fake field goals and, you know, uh, Hail Mary, right. uh, Statue of Liberty, Fumble Ruski. I mean, you might you <laughs> right. might see everything that you could possibly see from a, from a trick play standpoint out of K-State. And then as we go into the TCU-Michigan, I, I really expect Sonny Dykes and TCU to have some of that same M.O. Right. of looking for you know, double, triple, reverse, uh, Philly special. All, all the fake trick plays that you can imagine right. I'm expecting out of these uh, these underdog do teams. You, do you think with the with the portal at all now that uh, – I know there's just been some rumors out there, and I, I haven't really given them much thought, but that, you know, guys like Saban and stuff would entertain even going back to the NFL um, because of the portal, that you work so hard to recruit a kid, he doesn't get as much playing time maybe in his freshman year or he's redshirted, and then he looks to transfer. I mean, it really has changed the entire landscape of college football, even from our end. When we look to put up futures for the following year and, and look to put things up you know, for conferences, I mean, it has changed so dramatically. I, I'm not sure if it's good or bad, to well, be perfectly I think it's, honest. I think, it's, I think it's bad for your mid-major teams um, in holding players, and I think on, uh, to the exact opposite of your point, I think it's great for the Alabamas and the Clemsons because – they can go now get 
guys that well, are going to be the recipient. Yeah, they're, 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 they're going to lose kids recruit. too. Well, right. they're going to recruit. They're going to lose kids that didn't end up getting the playing time. Right. And then they have to fill them. So they're got, you're not leaving Alabama if you're playing. You're leaving Alabama if you're not playing. If you're not playing. And correct. then it's opening up a guy that maybe was playing at a smaller school um, to to go and play big time right. college football. And so I think if anything, and and at the end of the day. The nil is also about the money right. and which schools have the money to go get these guys and the Texases and the Georgias, you know, the, and they've got the big bankrolls to be able to recruit these players oh. that want to play there. There's a lot more cha-chinging that we're hearing, <laughs> I think, in, the, in college football right now. All right, so now let's talk about the two big games, the two playoff games, which I think everybody's kind of talking about. Um, where do you want to start? You want to start TCU, Michigan? Um, Michigan, the you know, numbers come down just a little bit. Michigan a little bit over a touchdown favorite. 68% of the tickets are on the Wolverines in this game against TCU. Uh, 64% of the tickets are on the over. And as you kind of alluded to earlier with, you know, TCU and, and all the stops, I know they're making a new Mad Max movie, but, I mean, this is Mad Max's game. This is Mad Max Duggan's game right here is what can he do to kind of shine. He's already declared that he's coming out. Um, so this is his last game at TCU. What's he going to do? What can that offense do with Sonny Dykes to kind of combat what the Wolverines have in Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and you talk about Max Dugan, and obviously a guy that was benched early in the season, wasn't their starting quarterback, um, who finds himself as a Heisman finalist um, right. in New York. Um, this is, you know, this. I keep saying this is TCU's Super Bowl no matter what happens in this game. Obviously, right. if they find themselves in the national championship, it, it's an absolutely incredible No one thought story. they'd be here. Um, so. to, to be sitting here uh, following the loss to Kansas State, not getting leapfrogged by the Alabama or, or somebody else, uh, you know, coming up and stealing that spot for them. Um, they're getting the respect here. And, and to be able to, to play a Michigan team that, again, um, dominated the Big Ten and obviously had the big win over Ohio Jay, State. That of all the four teams at TCU – really could come into this game as the loosest? Yeah, I, and that's why I said. I, I right. expect them to pull out. They, there's no reason for them to be tight. There's no right. reason for them to um, be worried about going for it on the fourth and one at their own 40. I mean, they, they have literally right. got to pull out all the stops and and try and shock uh, shock the world here and, and shock the Wolverines. And Harbaugh will have the eyes ready. I, I don't know that, that they'll – they, they do have the offensive line. They do have McCarthy playing well. Um, they were able to have the big plays down right. the field against Ohio State. Um, you know, and they, and they run the football exceptionally well. And if they're able to run the football on here on TCU with the defense that they have, um, it could spell trouble for East TCU if Minnesota or Michigan is just able to run it down their throats. But I just really get a feeling here that we're going to see, T see TCU um, with, with, with everything that you can possibly imagine thrown here at the Michigan Wolverines and see if the Michigan Wolverines can hold on. I really think if you're Michigan, I mean, two years ago, I mean, there was a lot of rumblings that Harbaugh was done. You know, he couldn't beat the Ohio States of the world. He couldn't beat, you know, the big schools. Now he's got a legitimate chance to win the national championship. You know, we look at what the number is for Ohio State and Georgia. Michigan wins this game convincingly. It's going to be a very small number for the national championship game. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Michigan and Jim Harbaugh here to get it done here impressively and then have a shot to beat the winner of Georgia-Ohio State for the national championship. Yeah, and, and the other thing in this game is the total, you know, sitting right around six. Actually, both semifinal games are sitting around in that 60 number. Um, I, I do think that's a, that's a total that um, – could, could go over here really quickly. Um, do have some dynamic playmakers on the TCU side of the ball, obviously going up against a Michigan defense, nothing like what they've seen um, in the Big 12. Uh, but if this game starts to be right. where Michigan is able to run the football on TCU, um, and I, I, like I said, I think that we see things open up. And if TCU has to start going for 
you know, short yardage on their own side of the field could open up the game up or we could be in a, a chase mode type of game where uh, Michigan gets up big and TCU is trying to come back. And so I think that that total, uh, we could see that total uh, go over that total pretty easy. Uh, so now the other game, Ohio State, Georgia. Um, Ohio State definitely needed some help uh, toward the end of the season with Southern Cal getting beat uh, to get in. They have the loss against Michigan already. Um, you guys are clearly backing Georgia way more than you're backing Michigan right now because over 75% of the tickets are on the Bulldogs. They're a tad under a touchdown favorite. We've talked about it over the last kind of 48 hours. Is this game going to be pushed to seven? If it does, is it an automatic take? Is there just too much value there um, to get Ohio State, um, you know, with a full month to prepare, um, getting a touchdown? But a lot of the ticket count right now really does favor the Bulldogs here. We know how good their defense is. They're looking to repeat as national champions. What do you think of this game? Well, I mean, since October 1st, um, Georgia went into Missouri and won 26 to 22. Since that time frame, they have not played essentially a close game. They've beaten every opponent that they played by 10 or more. Um, they had a thumping of number one Tennessee at the time when Tennessee right. was number one, 27 to 13. And then they blow out LSU, who was playing some pretty solid right. football, um, 50 to 30 in a game that they were up 35 to 10 at the half. So it wasn't really that close. Stetson Bennett's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, we talk about, you know, what is it, his ninth or tenth year in college right. football. I'm teasing, but, you know, he's, he's 25 years old, and he just does everything that they need to do uh, right. Brock Bowers, the tight end, uh, is, a, is a story. He's going to be a, a top draft pick. And Jalen Carter on the defensive side of things is just an absolutely, uh, you know, causes havoc on that defensive front. And so Georgia is in this position, and 13-0, and because of the team that they have. They aver- they've scored 509 points and only allowed 166. That's a 39-point average and, and essentially 13 points against a 26 average margin of victory of 26 points against their opponents. They did play a soft SEC East schedule. I mean, so we are talking about the Vanderbilts, Missouri, right. Kentucky. You know, they had a South Carolina and a Tennessee thrown in there who both kind of uh, Tennessee was hot early and South Carolina was hot late. So it's not like you can get a really good picture of them having to beat up a, a, a really tough SEC schedule, but they've got all the the components there to go and win another national championship. I think you, you touched on something that was really interesting, and that's the the age of Bennett being 25. That that's almost the, the norm now for a lot of these kids. A hooker is 25. Well, co- um, COVID has done that right. a lot too. Uh, Will Levis is 24. So you're seeing a lot of these kids who have had a little bit more time at the collegiate level, uh, time to mature. Now that's going to benefit them a lot at the collegiate level, I think, when they get to these bowl games and with the expanded playoffs that we're going to see in a few years. But you wonder what what happens at the next level, though. Does the NFL shy away from a guy who's already 25 opposed to a kid that's 20 or 21? I think it's kind of an interesting dynamic overall. The big thing for me in this game, and, and, and I think that why we're seeing so much money on Georgia, is the game's in Atlanta. And this is, you know, normally these semifinals are played on neutral sites. Right. Um, and this is not going to be a neutral site by any dynamic. This is going Ohio to be Ohio State, the Buckeye fans do travel well, This is though. going to be a pro Georgia stadium and fan base, no matter how many people from Ohio State travel down there, the stadium is going to be roaring for Georgia. On the flip side, Ohio State, we talk about um, dominance, and, right. and Ohio State, you know, 22-point loss to Minnesota, uh, Michigan uh, on the in the last game of their season. They were 534 points scored to 231 points allowed, averaging 44.5 points a game, only allowing 19. That's a 25-point margin of victory and that's after suffering the 22 point loss to michigan so they were a dominant team blowing teams out in the big 10 week after week and then just kind of the michigan 
they got bit by the big play bug, and McCarthy hit these big over-the-top pass plays. Um, so I don't know what Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud have in store for Georgia. I mean, you know, we've got a little bit of an injury bug with some guys potentially not playing. Henderson, the, the dynamic running back they've had all year, most likely not going to play. This is yet going to have to be a Marvin Harrison Jr., C.J. Stroud, dynamic offense, um, getting big plays down the field. Right. If they can hold up on the offensive line and not let that defensive front get to C.J. Stroud early, there is a chance Ohio State can stay in this game. And, and again, we see maybe potentially points going up and down Stroud's the board. Stroud's the key. I, really, I agree with you. I think if, if Stroud can have a good game here, I think it really makes it an interesting game. I don't even, a lot of people say that it, it, it's, it's, it's on Ohio State's defense to keep them in the game. I, I, as much as Ohio State's defense can keep them in the game, they are going to have to score points on the offensive side of the football because um, Georgia is Ohio State can't stop Georgia. Georgia has too many guys. They're too big and strong. They're going to score. Ohio State's going to have to match them right. point for point. So we spent a little bit more time on college football this week, guys, especially the two playoff games. And we know everyone's going to be busy as we get closer and closer to the New Year celebration. But this is such a great time to have the app on STN Sports. Full slate of NFL games on New Year's Day. You've got the college games, uh, the playoff games on New Year's Eve. We love when you guys come out and enjoy everything we have to have to offer to all of our properties, not just here at Red Rock. And we'll touch on it a number of times through our segments of bookends. But if you don't have the app and STN Sports, come on in today, get signed up. It takes a matter of minutes. And while you're enjoying all the kind of festivities going on on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, you've got the sports book at the palm of your hand. Yeah, and lots of props on both the playoff games on, on the 31st, including player props, uh, passing yardage, rushing yardage, touchdown props, a lot of stuff to look for in, the, in those two games. And again, you know, we're not even getting into talking about all the games that are on, on the second, uh, the Rose Bowl, right. uh, USC versus Tulane, as I talked about, Illinois, Mississippi State. There are some other really, really good games that are going on here. It's just uh, too, too, too long to dive into each one. Um, but they should be some good games where we do see these guys playing in these games uh, trying yeah. to get a win. I'm really looking forward to these two playoff games, guys, on New Year's Eve. So um, that kind of concludes the college segment of, of this week's bookends. We're going to jump right back into it and talk pros. So just stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. It's football season, baby. And you know what that means. It's time to bet your buns off. And when it comes to sports betting, you better bet with the STN Sports app. So what in the heck are you waiting for? Download the STN Sports app today and trust the local favorite. Hey, everybody. We're back here at Red Rocks Race and Sportsbook for the Sports Betting Podcast bookends. And, Jay, we're going to dive right into pro football now. It's week 17. Um, a lot of teams jockeying for playoff position. Um, and Thursday night, the Cowboys come off that big win against the Eagles. But really quickly on that, Eagles beat the Cowboys earlier in the season. It was Jalen Hurts versus Cooper Rush. Cowboys beat the Eagles late in the season. It was Dak Prescott versus Gordon, uh, Gardner Minshew. So neither team has that. We haven't seen Dak against Hurts yet, which we could see at some point in the playoffs. But it was really a big win for Dallas to keep that overall number one seed or winning the, uh, the NFC East alive. Dallas plays the... Um, on Thursday night football against the Titans in a game that, strange as it may sound, means nothing to the Titans this week, but week 18 will mean something to them when they play at Jacksonville to win the AFC South. Number has started to creep up here. Um, it, it's, it, it's past 10 right now. It's going to 11. It looks like it could even go higher. We don't know if Derrick Henry will play. Um, it looks like it's going to be uh, Malik Willis at quarterback. This Cowboy team is so good defensively against a young kind of quarterback like that and maybe Tennessee resting a lot of guys 
I think this number is even going to go higher. Uh, ticket count right now really favors the Cowboys with about 60% on the Cowboys against the Titans on Thursday night. Yeah, and this is the key when we talk about Week 17 and Week 18 and games that you're betting and <clears throat> games that we're booking is knowing the scenarios. Right. And as we roll through this week's schedule and next week's schedule, it gets even worse on who's playing and who's not playing. And obviously the Jacksonville-Tennessee scenario of they can win uh, that AFC South next week. Neither of their games this week mean anything to them as far as winning that. Um, Jacksonville on the flip side of that, we expect them to play. Playing the Texans, they've been on a roll. Trevor Lawrence continuing to get better and better each week. Tennessee has not. They, uh, they've actually lost five in a row. They've really been uh, on the downward trend. Um, obviously, Tannehill being out. Willis just right. hasn't been able to get anything going. They've got a couple receivers I, I banged what up. what really hurts them this week, too, is that it's a short week. Yep. I mean, you're playing now. You've lost five in a row. You're really struggling. Henry missed practice, I think it was, on, on Monday. Was back on Tuesday. But if you're a little bit banged up in a meaningless, in a meaningless game, and you only have a really short week to prepare, why would you play these guys? Yeah, and it's tough to want tough to wanna back them from a better standpoint um, if you don't believe Derrick Henry's going to play as he's been their catalyst and their offense and the way that they go ahead and beat teams is when he can rumble and stumble and have these big games and keep that other team's uh, offense off the field. If that's not there for them, that you really question what, what right. Tennessee's going to be able to do in this football game. So, again, I do think this number's probably going to go up. It's the Thursday night game. And on the flip side of it, Dallas does want to continue winning. Obviously, yeah. they're in that five-hole um, can't really go up any further unless for some reason the Eagles were to lose this game and then potentially lose a week 18 game then Dallas can find themselves um, you know in a better spot but for right now they're locked in the five but they do want to keep winning. Right. And I know there's a lot of kind of chatter out there that Hertz could play this week for the Eagles I truly believe he will not play this week that it will be Minshew again um, we'll see what happens against the Saints uh, in, in that game. Eagles and Saints made a trade last year that let the Saints move up to draft Chris Olave, which gives the Eagles their number one pick this year. So an Eagle win, not only do they solidify the number one seed, but they also get a better first round draft pick as well. Um, let's look at the Panthers and Bucks now. Big game in the NFC South. Both teams below 500. I don't know how the Bucks continue to find ways to win, but they do. Um, on the flip side, Carolina kind of controls their own destiny if they can win here and win week, week 18. So a couple of interesting trends here. First, the, the Bucks are a three-point favorite, yet 55% of the tickets are on the Panthers getting points here. Carolina is 5-1 and one against the number, their last six. Tampa's 4-1 and one against the number, their last five against Carolina. I've really been impressed with the job that Steve Wilkes has done since he took over for Carolina. If they don't lay that egg a few weeks ago against the Steelers, they are right there. They're tied with Tampa right now, and they're in the thick of it. Now they kind of have to win out. They have to win this road game in Tampa. But I think Carolina's been kind of a big surprise since they made that coaching change of Matt Rule and since the trade of Christian McCafferty. Yeah, and they've been doing it with their run game. Uh, Foreman and Hubbard and Blackshear, they're, they're just running the ball exceptionally well. Um, it's, it's almost like the script is written, though, as we've watched this Tampa team the last couple of weeks. It wasn't that they beat the Saints. It was that the Saints fell apart right. in that game and allowed Tampa to go win it. Last week we watched Arizona uh, you know, have a 10-point lead right. late and then just find a way to fall apart and allow the Tampa Bay Bucks to go steal a game. And so we, we've talked about somebody's got to win this NFC South, and uh, Carolina controlled their destiny, had the, had the unfortunate loss to the Steelers as a home favorite. They were able to be around, rebound with a big win over Detroit. But Carolina, for some reason, they feel like they have this moxie right. against the Bucks. Like they, they just match up well. Um, so I think this is going to be a, a kind of smack them in the mouth, low low-scoring game as all the Bucks games have been for the last several weeks. Very low-scoring games, grind them right. out. Who can who can hit their field goals and who can, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, 
you know, not commit the big turnover or the big mistake to allow the other team to steal the game. Yeah, I really like the way Carolina's played. I mean, they've, they've really kind of, you know, kind of circled the wagons a little bit. They should be loose in this game as well. But you're right, that running game has been key with Foreman and Chubba Hubbard. Uh, another game we're going to jump at and, and look at now, a big NFC uh, North game or AFC North game, Steelers-Ravens. Uh, there's a chance that Lamar Jackson could be back here. Uh, Ravens are a small favorite. Ticket count really favors the Steelers. Steelers are one game below 500 now. If they could somehow win their last two games, they can still get above that 500 and keep Mike Tomlin's streak alive. Steelers are 4-1 against the spread their last five. Baltimore is 5-0 five and, five and oh straight up their last five at home and five straight home unders. So you think about Baltimore without Lamar Jackson, and there's a chance he could be back. You know, check the injury reports this week. I think if he's back, that number does creep up a little bit. Um, but they have been unimpressive offensively. I think this past weekend was the first time that a wide receiver had caught a touchdown pass for the Ravens since week three, which is really hard to believe that their offense has been that bad so far. Small favorite. I think they still want to kind of right the ship because if they can win here and Cincinnati loses on Monday night against Buffalo, they can still go into the top spot and win that division. So a much bigger game, I think, for Baltimore, although Pittsburgh does still have some playoff hopes alive as a wild card. Yeah, and this game flexed to to the Sunday night um, game, and and you talk about – you know their struggles on offense. They did get J.K. Dobbins back. I think they ran for over 180 yards rushing against the um, the Falcons last week. A big game on the ground. But both of these teams struggled, really struck to score. Right. Steelers were able to you know secure a 13 to 10 victory at home over the Raiders last Sunday night in what was the emotional Franco Harris game that we, that we talked about. But really it was it was a lot of ugly right. on the offensive side of the football. The Ravens won in Pittsburgh 16 to 14. I think just two weeks ago. So these teams are vastly familiar of what they're going to throw back and forth at each other. Lamar Jackson, obviously, if he was to play, would add a whole different dynamic to this game. Uh, but again, we talked about Carolina <laughs> right. and Tampa just being a, you know, uh, put the ball down and let's try and see, see if we can run right. through each other. Uh, I expect that that's what we're going to see a lot of here, a lot in this game of uh, field position, see where, see Ugly where we offense. can try and right. run, run the ball and it may come down to field goal kickers. And unfortunately for the Steelers, um, they were lucky to get out of that game with the Raiders as they missed two two field goals uh, in, in that one uh, against the Raiders. It is hard to believe that they still, you know, mathematically have a shot um, to, to be a wild card team. So AFC South game, I know we touched on it a little bit earlier when we talked about the, the Titans, and, and that's the Texans and Jags. And I've been so impressed with the way the, the Jags have played. Trevor Lawrence has looked great. Uh, you talk to their young receivers, if it's Zay Jones, if it's Christian Kirk, Etienne out of the backfield, they really have played good. Doug Peterson has really kind of helped that team kind of grow. Don't forget, next year they're going to add Calvin Ridley, who they made that trade for. So they've really put Trevor Lawrence in a good position by surrounding him with good skilled position players. But there are a couple of interesting trends here. Uh, Houston is 5-0 and straight up their last five when playing Jacksonville. They're getting points here. They're also 7-1 and straight up in their last eight home games against Jacksonville. So they've kind of owned the Jags a bit of late, yet the Jags are playing so well, the Texans aren't. And there's one little maybe little asterisk out there for the Texans. With their win last week and the Bears' loss, they only have a one-game lead right now for the first overall pick in the draft. Now, if the Texans lose one game and the Bears lose two, they both finish the season with identical records. But due to the tiebreakers, the Chicago Bears would have the number one pick, not the Texans. So just something to think about there. Um, number has creeped up a little bit because Doug Peterson said this morning that he expects to play all his guys. I don't rest my guys. I play to win. And I really kind of believe him in this spot. I know the Titans in the short work week, they're going to rest guys. I think Jacksonville's playing so good right now. 
You don't want to stop that momentum train. You want to go into that game in week 18. You don't care what the Titans do this week. You want to go with another win, look impressive, and then hopefully you can take care of business at home week 18, make the playoffs, and win the AFC South. Yeah, Jacksonville's been the hottest team in that conference, uh, in that division, winning three straight. You talked about that they're you know now like a five-point favorite against Houston. They want to win this game and then go ahead and, and beat Tennessee um, and find themselves securing a divisional championship. You know, we talked about how Houston is still has the number one pick, but this team's really played good the last right. three weeks. They they almost beat Dallas in Dallas. Right. They played a really almost tough game City. against Kansas City, and then go to Tennessee and beat Tennessee last week. Obviously, they've been down, but Houston has been fighting. It hasn't been like well, this team has. Being a Bears fan, I sure hope they continue that and they win a game. Yeah, if they right. find a way to win game, right. you know, and, and I don't think that there's. Uh, a, a clamoring in Houston, or I wouldn't expect there to be to, hey, we're supposed to lose this game so that we can hold on to the number one pick. I, I don't think you can go into the locker room and tell those guys, you know, you can't win because we want to get the number one pick. So I think this Houston team keeps fighting, and Damian Pierce and these guys, uh, you know, they're they're grinding it out. Their season's been done for a long, long time, but their last three weeks show that, that, that you know, they're playing hard-nosed right. football. I think it's interesting, too, because if they do lose the number one pick, the one thing they don't have to worry about is the Bears taking a quarterback at number one. Now, granted, the Bears would probably trade out of that pick, and there's there's some thought that the Bears and Texans could actually swap positions then, um, and the Bear, they just give the Bears some extra draft picks or, or some players that would kind of incentivize that a little bit. So I don't think it's catastrophic either way. They're still going to be in a spot to get one of the top three quarterbacks at number two if it falls that way. And getting back to Jacksonville, I mean, two years ago, they have the number one pick, they picked Trevor Lawrence. Last year, they had the number one pick. They picked Walker. Um, how many teams have had back-to-back number one picks that the third year they actually won their division? I'd have to look it up and see, but I don't think there's been a whole lot. No, and yeah, but you talk about that division itself. Uh, you know, I know we're going to get to it later between the, the AFC South and the NFC South. Um, you know, th- those opportunities were there. Um, we're seeing just a downfall. You know, it's kind of a downfall. Uh, the Colts and Titans expected to be at the top of that division, um, and just a kind of an utter failure for both those right. franchises this year. So we're going to jump from the AFC to the NFC now. NFC North, the Bears, the Lions. Two teams heading in opposite directions. As Jay alluded to earlier, the Bears on an eight-game losing streak. Lions, tough loss last week against Carolina. They're still hoping to sneak into the playoffs. Uh, They've only had really two losses in the the last month and a half against Buffalo on Thanksgiving, that three-point loss, but really kind of laid an egg against Carolina this past week. Game was outside. Um, A couple of interesting trends here. First, you guys are backing the Lions big time. 72% of the tickets are on the Lions. Lions are 7-1 against the number their last eight. They're 10-2 against the number their last 12 home games. And if you like scoring, maybe this is the game because the Bears 5-for-5, their last five road games, have all gone sailing over. This is a must-win for Detroit in this game. Yeah, they're, this is a must-win game, and then they have to travel to Green Bay next week to have any ch- chance of getting into the playoffs. Um, you talked about the the over. Somehow under, that's going to be the flex game on Week 18. One of the highest uh, highest scoring game, highest totals this week. Um, statistically speaking, these are the two worst defenses in the NFL from a points allowed standpoint, both allowing north of 26 points a game. So that's why you see that number so high and and up and down the field. And we'll see. You know, the Bears have lost eight in a row. They're uh, Outside of the Niners, who have won eight in a row, that they have the longest losing streak or streak um, in the NFL, and that's why they're putting themselves in that position uh, to get the but, number one. But pick. you know what? You talked about the Texans, how many games they've been in. I know the Bears ended up getting kind of blown out against the Bills last week, but they've kind of 
had the same M.O. They've been in all these games. I mean, they've really hung around. We know their defense is depleted. We know, you know, they made some big trades. They've acquired a bunch of draft capital. They've got more uh, cap space than any team in the league right now. But I think they've played well, even during this eight-game losing streak. They've been in so many games. Yeah, if you're, as a Bear fan and watching them play, you're somewhat excited to see the development of uh, Justin Fields and him getting better and better and that they're competitive in these games and that they're losing at the end because then they can get they get a higher draft pick. Um, to me, Justin Fields was dynamic when he was he's running the ball, right. um, getting that, finding a way to get 10 to 12 to 15 carries, some of them designed runs, just not total scrambles. Um, and that seemed to kind of go away last week against the Bills. Um, don't know if they just didn't want to put the injury or if it was the really cold weather that was in Chicago, but he kind of turned off the running game. I think he only had seven carries, and I right. think those were all kind of scrambles. I don't know if those or any of those were designed runs. Um, if they're going to go and beat Detroit this week, um, he's got to get back to the Justin Fields who played when they lost to Detroit. Right. Um, I, I think he had two rushing touchdowns and over 160 yards rushing in that game as well as two passing touchdowns. So for them to hang in that game and cover against Detroit or go beat Detroit, we're going to have to see the Justin Fields that, that gets those 15 rushing opportunities. Yeah, I mean, he's so good. I mean, you, you look at when he turns on the Jets, he has definitely had some highlight reel uh, plays so far this year. Uh, now we're going to jump back to the AFC. AFC East, uh, Patriots, Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins have lost, lost four straight after they were ahead in that division. Actually, before this four-game losing streak, they were actually on top of the Bills in the AFC East. Uh, that has really gone by the wayside. They've lost four straight. Tua, concussion protocol, probably won't play. It's going to be Teddy Bridgewater. Here's some stats in this one, guys. Uh, first, you're backing the Dolphins, though, getting points in this one. They're getting a field goal. 57% of the tickets are on the Dolphins. Miami, as I touched on, has lost four in a row. Miami's 5-1 and one against the spread their last six games against New England. The Pats are 11-2 straight up at home, their last 13 against Miami. Patriots are also 5 of 6 have gone under in their last six games. Yeah, this is this is a team, two teams <laughs> going the wrong direction in recent weeks. Uh, Miami lost four in a row. New England's lost two in a row. New England's lost two in a row in just dynamic, pathetic fashion of the, the, the Sin City miracle of the, the throwing right. the ball backwards and allowing the Raiders to win in overtime. And then they're down 22-18 to 18 and at the <laughs> Bengal five-yard line and Ramadre Stevenson, who was the, 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 the starter, the catalyst of the, of the flipping the ball back, fumbles again at the goal line uh, in a game that they could have gone and beat, you know, obviously one of the hottest teams in football in the Bengals. They were down 22 to nothing in that game, came back, made it all the way to 22 to 18, um, so that they were fighting and clawing their way back, but the, the, both these teams have just found ways to lose games. games. Miami specifically had the lead against the Bills in Buffalo, uh, blew it, um, have a, a big lead against the Packers at home, blow it. Uh, you got to go back to, again, the young coach in his first year, um, a, a monster play in that game was Mercedes Lewis, a tight end for right. the Green Bay Packers, catching the ball at the forward line, 40, four-yard line after about a 40-yard gain when it clearly looks like he drops the ball um, right. and the ball hits the turf and there's no challenge, no challenge or anything right. like that and at a key point in the game. And so you just wonder, these these young um, coaches, uh, you know, just 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 the stuff snowballing and, and catching up to them. Uh, and obviously Belichick, not a, not a young coach, veteran coach, right. but, man, the way the Patriots have lost these games, tough to get back up. And this is, this is one of the uglier games you talked about. Bridgewater going to be starting for Miami. Um, just, you know, who, who's, who's going to outwill each other to try and find their as, way back into the playoffs here? As strange as it sounds, though, even with the Pats having those two kind of crazy and heartbreaking losses, they're the team of, of the Pats, Dolphins, and Jets that controls their own destiny to be a wild card team if they can win out. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen the, 
the arguing and back and forth on the sidelines with Mac Jones just being uncomfortable with the play calling. Now Stevenson fumbling the football. They've just got to find some semblance to that offense. The defense has been solid and um, really played a great second half against the Bengals and shutting them down. Uh, But they've got to find a way to get something going early in this game so that uh, they don't let those kind of bad thoughts get into their heads uh, early. Now we're going to jump to our backyard here at Allegiant Stadium, 49ers Raiders. Um, there's a lot of rumblings here that Derek Carr has played his last game for the Raiders. Um, he's been here for nine years. He's had some great moments. This was by far the best skill position players around him. I uh, love the way him and Devontae Adams have clicked this year, but of late he has not played well. Um, we've seen a huge line adjustment this morning where the game uh, moved a full three points. We hadn't heard anything uh, as filming this that it isn't going to be Carr and they're going to go to Stidham, but something's definitely going on uh, with the Raiders right now. Um, and, and they're playing against the 49ers, who have the best defense in the league, so it's awfully tough to get on track. San Francisco has won their 5-0 and their last five games against the number. Um, the Raiders have gone 4-1 and one against the number and straight up their last five at home, but an overwhelming 87% of the tickets count ticket count, excuse me, is on the 49ers here. So your offense has really struggled. Carr's thrown a number of interceptions, three in the second half against Pittsburgh. Now you're playing against a team that's given up the least amount of points in the NFL. Not exactly the recipe to get better and make maybe get a miracle run uh, to get a wild card spot. Yeah, and and falling out of the, really the playoff contention with their loss to the, to the Steelers, making it really, really hard for them to find a way right. in. Going up against the, the hottest team in football, the Niners have won eight in a row um, under Brock Purdy. Um, potentially get Debo Samuel back in this game. George Kittle's been absolutely fantastic, and since they've acquired Christian McCaffrey, they haven't lost a game. So right. everything's going the, the way of the Niners, um, and so much so that um, with the Eagles, with Hurts being out, um, the Niners are really the team that's sleepwalked right. to be the kind of the power rating top of the NFC uh, conference from a, a divisional standpoint. They've got the biggest point differential at plus 145 in the NFC. Um, they can finish out this season. They, they most likely can find their way to the number two spot if Minnesota, Minnesota who's, a, who's right. a dog here, to um, uh, Green Bay this week. If they find a way to lose that game, um, the Niners can find a way into the two spot and secure home field advantage up, up until they potentially have to go to Philadelphia. Yeah, I've really been impressed with the Niners, though. I mean, we talked about it earlier. They they manage the game, and Purdy seems to have really have, a, have found his guy in George Kittle. And with the touchdowns, Kittle's had more touchdowns, I think, since Purdy became the starter than he's had the last two years. So you get Samuel back in that offense. You have McCaffrey and that defense. And that's the ingredient that can win a Super Bowl, especially in the NFC right now, as you mentioned with Hertz's injury. And Minnesota just, I know they're number two, but you can just tell that they're going to be a bet against in the postseason. Well, I mean, interesting stat there. Just San Francisco is 11-4, and four, and they have a plus 145 uh, points scored versus p- points allowed. Philadelphia 13-2, and two, plus 137. Dallas 11-4, plus 131. Minnesota 12-3. and three. And they have a plus five point differential. And those are the only four right. teams in the <laughs> NFC that have a plus point differential. All other 12 teams have a negative Mocking point right. differential. So um, you can see the, the imbalance of power there from the NFC teams at the top. So now we're going to jump to an NFC North game again. Uh, arguably one of the two maybe best games of the weekend. And that's the Minnesota Vikings against the Green Bay Packers. We've seen Minnesota have to come back and, and you know have a 61-yard field goal to beat the Giants come back and beat the Colts after trailing 33 to nothing. Uh, Minnesota now, five of their last five games have all gone over. 
They're 11-2 straight up their last 13. Green Bay, 18-5 straight up their last 23 home games. We know how Rodgers plays at home in Lambeau in December. It's unbelievable the way that they kind of dominate when they're at home in December and January. Yet, you guys are the small favorite. It's really a balanced kind of betting attack. 51% of the tickets are on the Packers. We're definitely seeing some Viking love here. Vikings beat the Packers. I think it was week one. Really beat them convincingly earlier in the season. And this is a huge game for both these teams. Packers need to win and still get, get some help to get in. Vikings are trying to hold on that number two spot. So it's probably one of the you know the two best games of the weekend. Well, you talk about just the excitement of Vikings games. I mean, the most... <laughs> The, the likelihood that this game com- comes down to somebody scoring in the last minute of the game to decide the game. I mean, that's essentially how right. all Vikings games finish, obviously, last week with the 61-yarder um, by Joseph to, to beat the Giants. Right. But they're, they're just, they're just kind of hang around real close games. Um, Jefferson um, really lit up Green Bay the last time they played. I think he had 184 yards receiving in that game. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, you talked about uh, his ability in December right. and January, and I think Lafleur is now 15 and O um, in December uh, games. So not, not just at Lambeau, but 15 and 0 with the Packers playing in December. And uh, KK, Scrappy KK, busted out the stats for me. Aaron Rodgers in December and January in games that the Packers um, needed to win. Right. Um, they're, they're, you know, obviously they've had a couple of by, you know, late in the year where they don't need to win games. But they're 27 and 3, or Aaron Rodgers is 27 and 3 at Lambeau in December and January throughout his career. So, I mean, that's an incredible stat. Minnesota, you know, they're they're trying to fight for this number two spot. Uh, but this game's outdoors. Yeah, in the falling cold. to number three. Right. And the Packers, a win here and a win against Detroit next week at home, and they're probably going to find themselves in the playoffs. Um, the only thing stopping that is if the Giants and Commanders can both find ways to win both their games. Commanders have a tough game this week um, against uh, – uh, the Browns, where they're right. short under a field goal favorite. Um, so, I mean, this this is the script is written right. for Aaron Rodgers to, <laughs> right. to find his way back into the playoffs. And unfortunately for Minnesota, um, you know, traveling to Green Bay in what's going to be the frigid temperatures um, has not been a recipe to success for them. And I love this part about the script because we talked about in the AFC that Titans and Jags week 18 is going to be for all the marbles in the AFC South. If the Lions do beat uh, the Bears and the Packers do win this game, it really sets up an unbelievable Week 18, too, for one of these two teams to potentially sneak in as a wildcard team. And if, if you're playing in the NFC, and I know the Packers haven't been good and the Bucks haven't been good, but I don't think anybody really wants to play Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers in the postseason. I don't know. I'm on the flip side, and I, I you know, we, we've been documented on bookends talking about it a ton. I'd love to go play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> right now. I, I think their offense is a is a heap of mess. It is, uh, but and and, and it's if still I'm the, the goat. If I'm the Dallas Cowboys sitting in the five hole, I'm looking forward to making the trip to Tampa uh, and, and going and beating the Buccaneers. All right, so now we're gonna jump to Monday Night Football. Uh, schedule makers maybe haven't been great to us of late in prime time, but wow, I mean, when you've got Chiefs. Bengals. Uh, Bengals are red hot, you know, hottest team in the AFC right now. We talked about how hot the 49ers are. Um, This is a huge game because if somehow um, the Bengals are able to win this game uh, against the Bills, I mean, it's going to be crazy of who's going to ultimately get the number one seed in the AFC. So a couple of stats here. Total has gone under, though, for Buffalo. Seven of their last eight road games. Since he is 5-0 against the number, their last five, Buffalo is a small favorite. And it is really, as far as ticket count goes, almost an identical 
50-50 split in this game with Buffalo being a very small favorite. Yeah, and I, I, I don't want to pick a side in this game. I think this is an all Whoever we need, an incredible we need. game for, yeah. for Monday night to watch. Uh, Cincinnati, arguably the hottest team in the AFC, winning seven straight. Buffalo sitting at the top, holding on to that number one seed that we know that they desperately want to hold on to that number one seed and make the AFC roll through Buffalo. Oh, right. If they lose this game, they give Kansas City, who's a 14-point favorite against Denver, a chance to go take the number one seed. And it actually gives Cincinnati, Cincinnati right. who has an outside chance of getting right. the number one seed, should either of those teams falter. So this is a, a great lead-up week 17, and the guys that are in your fantasy football finals, whether it's Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, a huge uh, total on the board, looking for a scoreboard to be lit up on uh, on Monday night. This is one that just looking back to sit back and enjoy um, and really kind of evaluate where these teams are right. heading into the playoffs um, because this could, this could game. be another right. game that we see uh, down the road less than a month from now again. It, it, to me, it's a playoff game. I mean, that's going to be the type of atmosphere that you see in Cincinnati on Monday night. I mean, this game um, we talked about, and I think the Viking-Packer game are two marquee games this week are going to be really fun to watch with a lot of playoff implications. There's actually a lot of games on here, guys, to kind of look at. We know these games are all New Year's Day, so don't forget, get signed up for SDN Sports. Everyone's going to be recovering from hopefully a fun and safe night. Uh, the night before, you can just log on and you have everything that we're offering over the counter um, on the mobile app. Uh, we're going to come back and get into a couple of our favorite segments. I can hear John queuing up the music right now. First, it'll be Stephen Money's Fantasy Football Fever, and then our version of the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll be right back on Bookends. My name's Stephen Money, and here's why you should bet on me, the SCN Sports app. Just park at any of our 14 convenient sign-up locations, walk in, and you'll be signed up in minutes. And don't worry, I got all your favorite sports covered. Download the SCN Sports app today, and trust the local favorite. Hey everybody, we're back at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook. Jason, I'm Chucky, for our final few segments on the Sports Betting Podcast bookends. First, we're going to do our Stephen Money's Fantasy Football Fever. We know it's tough week 17 because there's so many guys that maybe aren't playing. There's injuries. I think we talked about it last week that if you were in the playoffs and you had Jalen Hurts, it really hurt because who was going to be your quarterback? Um, but we're going to jump in and quarterback. I'm actually going to give you guys two. I'm going to look at uh, Mike White um, with the Jets against Seattle. I think with, with Mike White back and knowing that he is really auditioning for the Jets starting job next year. He's definitely trying to get this team into the playoffs. They're, they've moved on from Zach Wilson. He's going to be inactive the next two weeks. He'll be one of those guys that gets dealt um, prior to the draft or draft day where somebody believes maybe he was the number two overall pick. He's got that big arm that they can help develop him into a quarterback. He's not going to be the Jets quarterback. But Mike White can be the Jets quarterback. They've got a great receiving core. I think Mike White has a big game here against Seattle. And the other one I'm going to give you is Trevor Lawrence. I think he's been playing so well right now. We touched on it. They don't want to change anything, Jacksonville, right now. They want to have an impressive win against the Texans where they've struggled and then go into that Week 18 game against Tennessee and just say, hey, we're rolling right now. We're not stopping this momentum train. I think both Mike White and Trevor Lawrence, if you're in your Super Bowl, are good values this week. Yeah, and, and as we sit this week, um, we're talking about teams that are – in their Super Bowls or maybe semifinals if your team, if your league happens to roll to Week 18. So the likelihood that you're searching for a quarterback is probably not very high. You're likely you had Mahomes, you have Allen, you have Burrow. Um, I had Hurts. Maybe you had Hurts. And if you had Hurts, 
that's really one of the reasons maybe you are looking for a quarterback. Um, Kirk Cousins has been really, really good right. of late. You talked about Trevor Lawrence. Uh, as Jared Goff, dynamic. especially indoors, yeah. is a good guy to and, use. And, you know, so you're really, right. if you're looking for a guy that you're questionable, you know, you don't you don't want to play a Cousins at Green Bay or so, or something like that. Um, you talked about it. that's my that's my quarterback this week is Goff uh, playing the Bears. We talked about it earlier. These are uh, two of the worst defenses in the league. So hopefully the Bears can go up and down the field on them. St. Brown can put up some big numbers. Goff has very different splits home and road. Right. I think he's got 20 touchdowns to three interceptions at home and like six touchdowns and four interceptions on the road. So he's done a lot of his damage as a quarterback at home. He's finding the tight end. I think the tight end had three touchdowns right. last week, uh, Shane Zalestra. Um, so um, Detroit does have the ability to put it up. Goff loves to throw it at home. Hopefully they can catch Swift out of the backfield, maybe not a Williams um, running touchdown, but the Bears should give him the ability to have a big game. So if you're looking for a sneaky play, maybe as Lawrence or Goff um, to try and go steal your fantasy football championship. And now we're going to jump over to running back. I'm going to go Saquon Barkley for the Giants. Uh, Giants are still battling for one of those wild card spots. Uh, this is a Colts team that you know, they just looked bad. I mean, to me, the, the performance on Monday night was they didn't have any emotion. They just weren't good on either side of the ball. Gave up a ton of sacks. I think the Giants here in Saquon Barkley, this numbers continue to go up as well. It's going to go up even higher. I think Barkley has a huge game against the Colts on Sunday. Yeah, and again, going back to the running back position, the likelihood that Derrick Henry is not going to play this week, and if you have Derrick Henry, um, you've probably been doing well in fantasy. He's obviously had some, had some big monster weeks. So you're looking for that replacement. I'm going to go to Tyler Algier, a young rookie running back sitting in Atlanta. They play Arizona this week. He's uh, kind of overtaken Cordell Patterson as right. their lead back. Um, getting 18 to 20 carries. Um, I can see Atlanta uh, and Arizona kind of just wanting to kind of get out of Dodge. Drake right. London's had some some big games. They're looking to develop Ritter. But I think that Algier can get 20 20, yard, uh, 20 carries here, potentially top that 100-yard century mark, and maybe steal a touchdown for you. So he might be a sleeper to look at. So as your running backs, now we're going to look at wide receivers. And I know I gave you guys Mike White. I'm going to stick with the Jets and go Garrett Wilson. Seattle has given up the 12 most points to wide receivers in fantasy. I think with Mike, Mike White back at quarterback right now, I think Garrett Wilson explodes in this game as a big game. I think White airs it out. I think he throws for over 300 yards against Seattle, has a couple of touchdowns, and I think Garrett Wilson's on the receiving end of a few of those scores. Yeah, and again, if you're looking for a receiver here, one of my cautions is starting Jalen Waddle or Tariq Hill with Bridgewater going in there. You just like uh, to do the Waddle, right? Well, I mean, I, I love Jalen Waddle, <laughs> and he's won a lot of people, and he's got people in their championships. You just wonder this week at New England, what kind of offense are they going to run under Teddy Bridgewater? Obviously, he's normally not one of those downfield type guys. He's a lot of check down guys, so can those guys have big games? But one guy that I do have full confidence in this week um, is T. Higgins, uh, and, I, and I think this week is a big week for him and the Cincinnati Bengals going up against the Bills, and it's a guy that's going on Monday night, so you can go to that last game of the week to try and steal your championship. And we all know Jamar Chase and the dynamic player that he is, but for some reason in these winter months, we saw it all last year in the playoffs with Cincinnati, and now we've seen it kind of in these cold weather games. He likes going to the big body T. Higgins, um, who gets I think he scored a touchdown in four straight games. Yeah, he, now. he just he goes to him, chases the big downfield guy, but the possession guy, those 12, 15 yard routes where T. Higgins kind of bodies off the defender and gets himself in front of him. He's just been that guy. I think he had nine receptions for 128 last week. So Burrow continues to go after him, and that's why I started starting T. Higgins with a lot of confidence. All right, guys, as we talked about, if you're in your Super Bowl or semifinal, 
hopefully some of these uh, fantasy guys will help you out. Kickers, check your kickers out. Make sure you're, weather. Make sure you're nowhere. Who's picking, kicking indoors? Right. Who's kicking in the wind? Um, don't don't lose your fantasy football uh, this week on, on not picking up a kicker that's in a good situation. Right. So now we're going to jump to our favorite segment. I know I always mention John queuing up the music in the background, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, let's go good. For me, I'm going to go something I've already touched on, and that's in the NFL, the AFC South. The Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, uh, the number one overall pick back-to-back years, a chance to win their division right now. They're playing so well um, with Trevor Lawrence. I think Doug Peterson's been the the perfect fit there after the Urban Urban Meyer failed experiment. Um, I think the good for me is the Jacksonville Jaguars right now who have a chance to win the AFC South. Yeah, and I, I think as we sit here today, they're no doubt the favorite next year to win the South when you talk about getting Calvin Ridley back, um, that things are going right down there in Jacksonville, and we'll see how they continue to progress and the pieces of the puzzle they add. I'm gonna, we've had a football-centric episode here, so I'm going to take my good and go outside of, of football and go to the NBA. Um, and Luka Doncic, just an absolutely incredible night the other night, first time we ever saw it in NBA history right. with 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Unbelievable. So the, the triple-double. Um, with 20 rebounds and 60-plus points in an overtime game against the Knicks. And right before Christmas, he had a a 50-plus point game. So Luka's playing absolutely incredible for Dallas. And, uh, again, first time in in NBA history and an incredible night uh, for him and the Mavs. Uh, Bad, I'm going to go with the South. And sorry, I know you guys are dealing with bad weather. (laughs) I don't mean the South in general. I mean the South in pro football. You look at the AFC and NFC South, there's eight teams total. Guess how many are over 500? None. Absolutely zero. Um, so it's the AFC, it's the South right now. I'm not sure why, but you look at Tampa, Carolina, um, Atlanta, really, really, you know, struggles. The Saints and the AFC. I mean, I know we've talked about uh, Jacksonville but in Tennessee. But, God, the, the entire divisions in both conferences, the South for me, is kind of bad. No team at 500 or above. Well, you talk about Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars on, on your good side of things. And they might be um, the only quarterback, I mean, maybe Ritter in Atlanta, but the rest of all the teams in both these Souths, both from an AFC standpoint and an NFC standpoint, we, we're, we should see a quarterback change. I mean, literally every right. team is, is going to be looking for a new quarterback, um, and, and it's just been, been tough to watch from that standpoint. A lot of losing going on in both these, these uh, divisions. So now the ugly, and sorry to pile on you Bronco fans, but <laughs> OMG. You know, I mean, Christmas. The, 51 points for the Rams. The Ram offense hadn't scored over 24 points, I think only twice this year. They had 31 at halftime. They scored 51, but really what stood out for me was the last three or four minutes of the game, all the Broncos did was hand off. I know you're down by a huge number, but, hey, you've got a young quarterback in ripping in right now. You've got young, some young skill position players. Why not continue to try to get a win? I mean, right now, I mean, that franchise is in really bad shape. They traded Bradley Chubb at the trade deadline, their best defensive player. They've got Russell Wilson locked up at $250 million on a five-year deal. I'm not sure what they do, but if you're a Bronco fan right now, it doesn't look good. So for me, the ugly is the Denver Broncos. Well, and, and they, they, they recognize where they're at, and we've been chambering about it for weeks, that they need to let go of Nathaniel Hackett. They need to make some changes there. They're going to keep the, keep the GM, but obviously Hackett loses his job, and so they're a, a big two-touchdown dog to Kansas City this week, a team that they played tough a couple weeks ago. We'll see if Denver can find a way to do something. And on the other side of that, I'm going to chime in and give you another ugly is – the same ugly we had last week. I think they were actually are uglier. Was this Indianapolis Colts <laughs> the team? Uglier, I who, like who, that. Who blows a thirty-three 
to nothing lead against Minnesota, now hosts a Monday night football game against the Chargers, changes to Nick Foles, and we watch them put up three points, get sacked seven times, and I think throw three interceptions. And so things just aren't right in Indianapolis. I don't know that they can get right. They visit the Giants this week in a Giants team that needs to win this game to, to, to get into the playoffs and secure a playoff spot. And so uh, the, the Colts have just been, been shameful and, and really ugly the last several weeks. You know, one interesting dynamic with the Broncos, and I know you, you alluded to that the GM is going to stay. However, the GM's duties are going to be changed somewhat. And they're talking about, depending on who the head coach is, that he's got full power of all football decisions. You have to wonder if that's kind of a ploy to maybe lure uh, Sean Payton to that job, giving him full football power and, you know, the power over that roster to make all the moves he has to make. Uh, he's been a guy that's been, you know, talked about for the Cowboys. I don't think that happens. Um, the Chargers and maybe the Cardinals. But I think the Broncos, if they want to make a splash right now, the guy is Sean Payton. And maybe that's why they made that decision that the GM is going to take a backseat in some of the football moves uh, to the new coach. They have to do something. I mean, you're not going to be able to move Russell Wilson. So they have to find a way to bring somebody in there that can find a way to, to have success with him. They do have a very good defense. Um, and, and young skill position players. I mean, Judy and Sutton and Hamler. You've got a lot of good young wideouts there that it's just it's, it's kind of a head-scratcher why that offense has struggled so much. Well, Russell Wilson's play has not been good. Um, we, we used to, you know, uh, let's ride. It was, <laughs> was always his, you know, let's cook, whatever, whatever it wants to be. But it was him scrambling and running the football. And when you watch him in today's game, he just looks like he's lost two steps. Not only just one step, but he's lost two steps in his running game um, and ability to scramble. He's just not, a, he's not able, able to keep the play alive long enough and when he used to be able to keep those plays alive and go to a locket or a Metcalf he just doesn't have those type of receivers in Sutton and Judy they've shown little flashes of it but they just haven't been uh, what he saw in Seattle yeah when you looked at him in Seattle I mean that that kind of that schoolyard play was his MO he really didn't he never had a high uh, completion percentage Um, it was all kind of those kind of broken plays that really made him but anyway guys there's a lot of great games this weekend again Great time to get signed up for STN Sports. Uh, we want to wish everybody, from both Jason and I to our and John, the Red Rock uh, Race and Sportsbook family, everybody at Station Casinos, you know, Happy New Year. Be safe, have fun, and don't forget the app has all the games when you're recovering the next day. So Happy New Year, guys. We'll see you in 2023 on our next segment of the Sports Betting Podcast bookends.